Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you a brand new episode of Monday Madness on July 10th, 2023. We are barreling through this month and this year for that matter. As a matter of fact, August 7th is technically the halfway point of summer and it's going to be here before you know it, so continue to make the most of the good season. Get in some pools, go for a run, hit the beach, have a cookout, do whatever. Soon enough, it'll be fall, and then 2024, and then the price of a barrel of oil will be over $150. Okay, that last part may have been a bit optimistic, so I'll cut those jokes and get straight to the content. First, commodity prices. Last Monday, we were only rocking a $70 barrel of WTI, but it climbed to $71, and then $72, and right at the end of Friday, we saw this crazy rally before close that brought it to $73.40, and then everyone held their breath. I woke up extra excited today because when I checked, we were on the good side of $74 this morning for the first time in a minute. Now, we've talked about this a lot. Monday is an incredibly volatile day, even more so if you have a crazy $1.5 jump just moments before last week's close. I wanted to believe it would stay this high, but something inside of me knew it likely wasn't true. Already, the price has fallen to $73, and it sure doesn't look like it's going up anytime soon. Still, this isn't all entirely bad. We haven't seen such a quick and aggressive change in that direction in the price like this for several months now, so it is something new. There's no guarantee that new things will keep happening, but I've plotted out a bit of geometry on my own, and I think this fall will have some nice things in store for us. But let's pull it back to the present. Brent saw the same volatility, but the spread maintains that $5 difference we started to observe over the past one and a half, two weeks. If we're lucky, we being us WTI folks, that spread will continue to blossom. Natural gas is performing exactly how we expected, given the gentle sine wave pattern of 60 cent changes. I really don't expect this to change anytime soon, unless other heating commodities see some crazy change before winter, so please just hold tight and be patient with this one. Just as an aside, the OPEC basket is up just as much as WTI, so perhaps we're seeing some globalized results from those supply cuts announced by Saudi Arabia and Russia. Next is the rig count. I've got great news. After months of drawdowns, we finally have a positive bump to the rig count. Six more rigs bringing the US total to 680, which is 72 fewer than we had this time last year. Now, this, of course, is just one week of good news. I would not be surprised if we saw a 10-rig drop next week, so let's not bust out the party favors just yet. Not a lot of change basin by basin, but two more rigs in the Haynesville, one more in the Permian, and one less in the Eagleford. A little more action at the state level as Louisiana is up seven rigs, probably why the Haynesville did so well. New Mexico is up three, and Wyoming up one. On the negative side is Colorado, who is now down one, and Texas, who is down four. The Gulf of Mexico was able to add one to its total as well. I'm starting to think Texas's weekly change is a much better indicator of rig count trends, so my money is on another decline next week. Anyone who wants to take a $5 bet against me is welcome to email their challenge and Venmo account to podcast at rarepetro.com. First come, first serve. The rigs that primarily went up in Louisiana seem to be targeting gas in horizontal and a few directional holes. Again, we just saw 9 weeks of decline losing us 81 rigs, so a 1 boost in rig count by 6 is primarily just one state's fault and likely not going to reverse the trend. The last statistic to touch on is our inventory report, Thirsty Thursday, which is once again being written by yours truly. 
as always, I give you the quick and dirty here on the podcast, but it is much better enjoyed with the weekly cocktail and fantastic figures to enhance your understanding of what is going on in the commodity space. You can find it at www.rarepetro.com. Here's what you may have missed. Last week's inventory news was a big surprise as we nearly had a drawdown of 10 million barrels, so this week they predicted a much smaller 1 million barrel drawdown, or manageable, yeah? But managed to exceed expectations with a 1.5 million barrel drawdown. It's no 10, but we'll take it. The API predicted a larger drawdown at 1.8 million barrels, but blew that out of the water and reported a 4.4 million barrel drawdown. While the weekly graph makes it look like there's still a whole lot of work to be done to fight those first two months of builds, the EIA's total crude graph shows that while we have had slight bumps from builds, it's ultimately been trending downward since the start of this year. That's not to say that we're too low. We are smack dab in the middle of the five-year historical range, but that is primarily due to a big 55 million barrel build from a few weeks around Christmas. Gasoline prices have stalled out and, surprisingly, somehow slightly decreased through that holiday weekend. There was even a significant drawdown as we lost 2.5 million barrels of national supply between those two weeks' reports. That equates to a little more than a 1% change, but you wouldn't know that by looking at pump prices. Gas prices are down 2 cents nationally on the week. Washington is still home to the most expensive gallon of gasoline at 4 which has been the case for about a month. As a matter of fact, Mississippi also continues to hold its title of cheapest gallon at 2.966. Diesel is 3 cents cheaper this week once more, which means that over the month it's cooled off by about 6.5 despite trending downward and rubbing up against that record low for a 5-year range. On the other side of the spectrum is propane, which is absolutely chart-topping at the moment. I'm talking record after record each week. It seems like we never fully came down in supply from the most recent year-long cycle, which gave it a bit of a boost to work with through now. Could be a potentially cheaper heating source than what you're using, so maybe you want to pursue that. But that does wrap up the stats. Next, it's time to get into some stories. The first one features the American workforce, or rather, the lack thereof. While we've discussed how materials are more expensive than the last time we saw $70 oil, labor costs are a whole lot more too. This is an especially worrisome problem considering just how much potential the LNG market has to explode right now. Maybe I should have picked a different verb, but (laughs) the potential of LNG to do a whole lot better. Labor is an inflationary concern, and people are finding opportunities outside of the energy industry or just not touching it at all. Contracts for LNG export terminals are working on training programs and creating as much project efficiency as possible so that once the project is finished, the next one starts immediately. Otherwise, you might have a two-month lapse and people just can't stack up the cash to float through that long of a pause. Because of that, lots of labor ends up just jumping ship to find something more stable and maybe a different industry. An LNG boom is nearly prime for liftoff, but these material and labor challenges are definitely pushing back on it. The good news is that, despite all this, we're still seeing a record number of projects being approved that could push our daily export capacity to 18 billion cubic feet very quickly. That's daily, again. That is a lot of gas and would do wonders to cement the U.S.'s position as a global leader in the natural gas space. Something to keep an eye on as you look at the loads of LNG projects being approved globally. Let's hope we don't lose pace. In slightly more exciting news, the U.S. Navy is now intervening in the Gulf of Oman. About a month ago, we talked about how Iran had seized two more tankers in a rather short time frame. 
On the 5th, the Navy got involved at 1 a.m. with an Iranian naval vessel that approached a Marshall's Island flag tanker in international waters. According to a statement, quote, The Iranian vessel departed the scene when the U.S. Navy-guided missile destroyer USS McFall arrived on station, end quote, adding that the Navy had deployed surveillance assets including maritime patrol aircraft. Just a few hours later, the Navy received a distress call from a Bahamas-flagged oil tanker while the ship was still a little more than 20 miles off the coast of Oman, which is still in international waters. A different Iranian naval vessel had stopped this ship. By the time the U.S. Navy arrived at this location, a few small arms and crew served weapons were already being fired in long bursts on the Bahamian ship. No casualties were sustained, but the living spaces got lit up just a little bit. The Iranian vessel dipped as soon as the U.S. Navy ship arrived. Iranian authorities have not yet released an official comment from this matter, even though it happened, uh, well, five days ago as of the recording of this podcast. Almost 20 vessels have been either attacked or seized by Iran since just 2021. This is especially concerning because about one-fifth of the world's supply of seaborne crude travels into the Gulf of Oman and through the Strait of Hormuz, which is a narrow choke point between Iran and Oman. If the Iranian Navy really wanted to get busy with it, they could make some serious global supply shifts. As if someone is keeping score, Iran likes to point out that the U.S. confiscated cargo of an Iranian oil taker in April back in the U.S. Gulf, but if I had to guess, we were likely confirming the origin and legitimacy of this probably Russian oil. I mean, considering our sanctions and our relationship with Iran and their nuclear program in the most recent years, I think this is likely. Tensions are high, and hey, it might be a great time to become a pirate and pick through the potential wreckage that could be around the corner. But that is all we have for this episode. We thank you for always tuning in and joining us as we become some of the best energy professionals we can be. If you'd like to find more content, we push some of our favorite news sources to our website, www.rarepetro.com. While you're there, we also have quite a bit of other video, podcast, and written periodical content. Heck, you can even find a lot of our stuff on YouTube. Rare Petro is all about learning everything we can in this space, and we welcome you along for the ride. It is free, after all. Go ahead and follow this podcast. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody. buddy.